Lakers get a big win over the Boston Celtics, the best the big three has looked, plus the Brooklyn Nets come back in the fourth quarter over the Dallas Mavericks, and then real or fake, should CJ McCollum get traded? Should Miles Turner get traded? We're going to cover it all in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Let's go. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you want to know about the association. And on Wednesdays, I'm your co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And filling in for John today, we've got Andy Kamenetsky covering the Lakers over at Locked On Lakers. You can follow him on Twitter at Cam Brothers. What's going on, my man? How you doing? It's good to be here. I know I'm, I'm kind of enjoying that we get the opposite perspective from last night's game. Instead of John, who normally is the locked on Celtics host, we got you coming in. So there's going to be a winning lot of perspective, slander. Jake, the winning perspective. <laughs> exactly. And look, that was a big game for the Lakers. So we'll talk about that coming up here in a second. Kevin Durant leading the Brooklyn Nets to a 17 point comeback. Before we get to all of that, though, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even help you negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. And thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every single day. We're free and available five days a week on all platforms. No paywall covering all of the games the night before. Not just cover the big stories, but keeping you up to date around the league. And look, big win for the Lakers last night over the Boston Celtics, 117-102. You and I were saying before before we hit record on this, this was the best the big three has looked and probably the best the Lakers have looked all season. Yeah, It's not just to me, Jake, the best that they've looked all season. This is the most they looked like an actual team. Like, like there have been times during the season, as up and down as the Lakers have been, where they've looked good over stretches, even looked good over a game. But this was the most where they looked like an actual team where they understood what everyone else was going to be doing, what their actual assignments do, were, where where they just seemed like they were actually on the same page with each other. Like that's something that has been missing a lot with this team, you know, even when things are going well, much less over the course of an entire game. You know, does does that ease some of the heat maybe on Vogel a little bit on this? You know, it seems like he was ready to kind of almost take the fall as a scapegoat. And one of the things I've seen from this team and something I've said on the show is, you know, I, I don't think the Lakers are necessarily title contenders this year, given how they've looked. But their ceiling for where they could be seems higher than what it is because, as you said, they haven't looked like a team, right? It looked like they needed to figure some things out. This was a game where all three of those guys play well. You get AD at the five a lot, right, and kind of use and deploy everyone properly. This is one of those games where you can kind of see what their ceiling is. Is and as much as like the Boston Celtics defense has not been good on this road trip that they're on, I mean the Lakers did everything they absolutely wanted in this one. Well, I mean, as far as the heat off Vogel, um, ask me after Thursday's game in Memphis because you know if they if they crap the bed in that one, we could be right back to the storyline all over again. But th- this does not hurt Frank Vogel in terms of however embattled that you think he actually is, you know, with this organization. And you know, LeBron was asked about this on Tuesday and you know he said good things about Frank Vogel without necessarily complimenting him highly as a coach specifically and <laughs> there I mean look there are a thousand different ways you can read into this because LeBron yeah. <laughs> is known for his passive aggressive 
cryptic messaging, particularly when it comes to coaches, most of which have seemed somewhat disposable over the course of his career. I I have largely gotten the impression that LeBron, if nothing else, really respects Frank Vogel, respects, you know, his preparation, you know, his attention to details, which is stuff that LeBron cares about. But, you know, the these things sometimes can move in different directions. And, you know, it's it's a different season now than it was then. Um, th- this was just something that they needed, Jake. I mean, this was just really important for them. They obviously got to build on it, but y- you were talking about their ceiling as a team. To me, with the Lakers, they have, among all the contenders, the most to figure out. Because by definition, when you have a completely yeah. revamped roster and drop Russell Westbrook in the middle of this, I, I say all the time, he's the least subtle player in the league. Like he's the least blendable player, you know, out there in terms of just natural blending. But by definition, if they figure it out, it means it's going really well. Cause I don't think you can sort of half figure this thing out. It's either really working or, you know, it's working somewhere between fine and not at all. Look, it was really working in last night's game. Russell Westbrook with 24 points, 11 assists. You had Anthony Davis listening to maybe some of the criticism from uh, Charles Barkley, 17 and 16 for him, and then LeBron with 35 and 4. It was exactly kind of what they needed. Look, they put up 66 points in the paint against this Celtics defense who averaged in the 40s, so they clearly were playing kind of the right style of ball. Um, for the Celtics, by the way, you had Jason Tatum have an excellent game, really played well against the Lakers, 34 points for him, eight rebounds, three assists, but just no one stepped up. No, no, uh, Jalen Brown in this one as he was out with a hamstring, but just not enough for everyone else. And now they both teams are 13 and 12 on the season. You feeling a little bit better about the Lakers now after this one? Like how do you, how do you project the next like two or three weeks going for them? I mean, first of all, does everybody stay in the lineup? I mean, that part of what has been hurting this team, as much as you want to get into legitimate questions about fit and roster construction and the collective age, all of those things, which you know are definitely worth asking. And I know I asked a lot of these questions in the offseason heading uh, <laughs> into the actual year. You know, there were some moves that uh, they made that I didn't quite, if not understand, I wasn't sure they're just the ones that I would have done. They've legitimately had no continuity whatsoever. You know, there's two guys on the roster. Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Ariza, who were supposed to be rotation guys, who literally have not played. So there, there's a lot that uh, hasn't been figured out. And that I don't know if you can figure it out unless everybody stays on the court. If they can go a 10-game stretch where they have this rotation intact, then I think you start really getting an idea of, okay, how are they actually progressing? How good can they really be? What are they building towards? No, it's it's interesting. So the next, you know, couple of weeks, I think, are going to be really kind of key for them. And obviously, like with any team, staying healthy is really important. But for this Lakers team that's kind of really, really top heavy and doesn't have the depth and look, doesn't have the pieces to trade for some of that depth too, right? Like that's well, going to be a big problem for they them have, going they have, forward. Jake, they have two contracts of note that you could try to even turn into you know, like a, a, f- a legitimate third or fourth option uh, for this team. And one of them is Kendrick Nunn. He makes a little under $6 million. He has not played yet. The other one is Taylor Horton Tucker, makes about $10 million a year. Um, he has been, to put it kindly, all over the place. Those are your two, <laughs> not just best trade chips. They're your only two because you're, only you're ones, not yeah. likely trading the big three. And the rest of the guys, everybody else, they're league minimum. 
So, I mean, they, they are kind of pot committed with what they're doing right now. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be really interesting to watch. Also, by the way, does like the rim owe Robert Williams money or anything? Because he was <laughs> like, if, if you want highlights for the Celtics, that dude was flying like dude. feet above Anthony Davis at times in this game. Time Lord what, three, fun, something like that. He We went for he, Time Lord is a fun, fun player, man. Like, I, I have to imagine Celtics fans really enjoy watching that dude. Yeah, he he wanted, I don't know, he, he was going, like, as far above the rim as you really could to try and score over Anthony Davis. Cut a couple of them, also got rejected on one, which was fun to see. So, there you go. Lakers starting to turn around. Big win over the Boston Celtics. So, coming up, the Brooklyn Nets come back from 17 down against the Dallas Mavericks to win in the fourth quarter. And then the New York Knicks just flat out beat the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to be covering all here coming up next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by Calm. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. Mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, is teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind to become the championship version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, reduce your stress, and perform at your best just like LeBron James. And for LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. And he says, quote, getting a good night's sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, Calm puts me to sleep within minutes, which means I wake up ready for any challenge, unquote. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA, C-A-L-M dot com for a limited time you'll get 40 percent off a calm premium subscription with calm you have access to the nature scenes lebron loves like the rain on leaves and so much more like sleep stories and meditation so you can be ready for any challenges that life throws your way again for a limited time our listeners can join lebron in using calm and get a 40 percent discount on a calm premium subscription at calm.com slash locked on nba unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash locked on nba that's calm.com slash locked on nba today's episode of locked on nba is also brought to you by built bar flat out the best tasting protein bar out there so this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar for certain ones built bar filled with so much holiday goodness rich with decadent flavor covered in real chocolate but amazingly low in calories sugar net carbs and fat and high in protein you get the best of both worlds delicious and healthy and they have so many flavors you're gonna have a tough time choosing you're going to have the raspberry or the mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate. What about cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? And they have limited time flavors over at built.com. I grabbed some of the ruby chocolate, which have like just like a hint of like fruit and sweetness in these chocolate bars. And they are absolutely awesome. And everyone loves these things. I've had so many listeners come back to me saying they finally tried them. This is their go-to protein bar before or after a workout. I eat one of these things every single day for lunch. So if you need something to help get you through the holiday season, go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off over at built.com. All right. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day. We're free and available five days a week for you all, breaking down everything you want to know around the league. And we got two more games up on a pretty light 
Tuesday night, but means we get to take a bit of a deeper dive. What about the Brooklyn Nets coming back from 17 down against the Dallas Mavericks? Final score of 102-99. This one was kind of interesting because it looked like the Nets were just uninterested in playing for a little bit. Then the fourth quarter happens, and Steve Nash leaves both Kevin Durant and James Harden in to start that quarter, plays them throughout the entirety of the quarter, all 12 minutes. They score a combined 18 points, uh, 17 points in the fourth quarter and they managed to win the game like this is just one of those ones where Kevin Durant is a freaking cheat code at basketball you know what's funny to me Jake watching that game is how the Nets can go from looking incredibly stagnant offensively to looking lethal without really anything looking that much different in terms of what they're doing it's just when Kevin Durant and James Harden start getting in that zone where they're making shots there's like nothing you can do about it. And you you just need to take advantage of the periods where they aren't making shots. Like in the third quarter, Durant went, I believe, one for eight. But Luka mm-hmm. didn't score. Luka had no field goals in uh, the third quarter. Like those are periods where you have to, if you're playing the Nets, try to bury them. Especially a night where th- their defense for a while wasn't really quite able to keep up with Dallas. You have to absolutely capitalize it because those guys can just, once they start get going, they're impossible to stop and they're demoralizing too. No, you could see it in the head of the Dallas Mavericks a little bit, I think, especially in the fourth quarter, right? They started to go really cold from the field. And you'd mentioned that that Nets defense hadn't been great. And then they started kind of swarming at the start of the fourth and kind of kept it up through that period. And Dallas couldn't really get anything going. They they really started to stagnate on offense and they just started launching threes and not great looks, right? They were one of 12 from, th- from three in the fourth quarter. They were nine for 46. That's under 20%, 19.6% overall. Some of them were some of them were just kind of bricks and misses, but when the Nets really clamped down, they would not allow like any dribble penetration into the lane whatsoever, forcing Dallas to shoot those outside shots. And Dallas at times cannot make a thing to save their life. Well, I mean, think about that though. 46 threes, and you only make nine of them. That's th- <clears throat> 36 possessions that come up empty. Like that is a lot over the course of a game. And I and I understand like 46, while it's a lot, it's not necessarily unheard of. Like that's that's not something that you, you know, that you would look at like say in 1991 and be like, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> like, like playing from this, space or something then. Right, exactly. I mean, this can happen, but when you mit, when you have again that many empty possessions against a team. That as much as their offense didn't have it going, Brooklyn, for a lot of this game, you know have Kevin Durant and you know have James Harden and you know those guys are always a threat at any point in a game. That's something that you have to look at afterwards and really start you know, evaluating what you're doing and what is your goal out there offensively as a team and what Jason Kidd wants these guys to be doing as he's trying to put like a stamp on this team. Yeah, right. Like you, you look at that fourth quarter and it's like, look, part of it again, a lot of credit to the Nets defense during that where they were just not allowing like anyone to do anything. But like Luca takes five shots in the fourth quarter. You're seeing this lead slip away from you in real time. It feels like you need to call a timeout, regroup and be like, we can't shoot threes anymore. They're not falling. We've got to do something different. Again, part of it's the Nets defense. 
but you gotta do you gotta do something because this was a night where it was like, oh yeah, let's totally not rely on the three point shot, and they kept shooting it and settling for those awful possessions. And this is where you see some of that coaching acumen from Jason Kidd, like. And, and the lack of it, right? Like you need a coach that can draw up some plays and generate some forward momentum for you. And he was incapable of doing it in this one. Or at least spill a soda. I mean, like do something. Do something, something as right? a coach. <laughs> you know, spill a drink. You know, like something that will create momentum if you're Jason Kidd. And, and I mean, look, you, you talked about what he's going to be doing as a coach, man. Like there is going to be a lot of scrutiny with Jason Kidd because he is completely not just unproven as a head coach. He's really controversial as a head coach because he, I mean, this is actually the, the story of Jason Kidd's career as great as it was. He's, you know, among the greatest point guards to ever play this game. It's always a messy exit. Always as a player, always, it was a messy exit as a coach. It was a messy exit. You know, he managed to napalm his way from Brooklyn to, I mean, Brooklyn to Milwaukee and ended up yeah. napalming his way out of there too. I mean, this is just the way things happen with kid. I mean, it, it's interesting. The couple of years that he spent uh, on Frank Vogel's staff, they were pretty uneventful, but everybody was waiting for him to be, you know, doing uh, a little finger and knifing uh, Frank Vogel. I mean, like that was the That's perception what when they hired him. Like that was the, that was the story around well, it, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, he's just going there for when they fire Vogel. Eventually, he gets promoted and becomes the head coach. And, and the thing about Kid too that I, I I think really speaks to the importance of his game planning and stuff like that is he may wear out his welcome after a while just because it's what he does. But he's somebody that players respect, you know. May, I mean, Love maybe af, maybe after a while, the uh, after a while, those relationships start to uh, fray. But in the beginning, he is somebody that commands a ton of respect from players. Like Le LeBron is a big reason Jason Kidd was on Frank Vogel's staff, or was basically going to be on anybody's staff that the Lakers hired when they when they fired Luke Walton and eventually brought in Kidd. And if you have the respect of LeBron like that, you've got the respect of everyone around the league. So they're going to follow you wherever you go. What are you telling them to do? It's great. But look, Damian Lillard wanted him in Portland. Luca wanted him in Dallas. That's how he ended up there. It's just kind of like it's, it's almost like a cult of personality or something to a certain degree, but they absolutely love him. Um, but he's got to coach better, and he did not do a good job in this game. 28 points, by the way, for Luka Doncic, nine assists, but it could have been like 20 for him. Kevin Durant, 24 points, seven rebounds, three assists. James Harden, 23 points, uh, 12 assists, nine rebounds in this one as the Brooklyn Nets get the win. And then the final game of the night, you've got the New York Knicks all over the San Antonio Spurs, 121-109. It was really the R.J. Barrett show. 32 points from him. He was great in this one. Seven of eight from three. New York was just better. Their bench was really good in this one, too. Mitchell Robinson with kind of a get-right game. 11 points, 14 rebounds. Derrick Rose with 12. Emmanuel quickly, 16 off the bench. New York needed this one, I think, after three losses. Like, this feels like a bigger win than it should be over a not-great San Antonio Spurs team. Yeah, I mean, they, they needed it, New York, as a team. And you mentioned R.J. Barrett. He needed it. 32 points yeah. uh, in this game. The previous three combined, he had 32 points. You know, he he's really been underwhelming so far to begin this season. I, I, I know that there have been hopes within the organization that he was really taking steps, you know, along with somebody like Julius Randle 
in the right direction to really become like a cornerstone player for this team. And he's obviously talented, but like making the type of developments necessary to become, you know, a second or third option on a legitimate playoff team. I think sometimes fans don't realize just how hard that is. Like so, there, there can sometimes be, and I think sometimes media too, there can, there can be a dismissiveness towards a guy when they're thought of as like the third option or the fourth option for a playoff team. You're really good when you're that guy. Like that's really, really hard to be. Like, you know, the, the Kobe Powell teams that I, that I covered back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, Lamar Odom was their third option. Lamar Odom was a luxury at that level. You know, he was somebody that was thought of to be talented yeah. enough that he, you know, if he had really had the right mindset and right, you know, approach to the game, could have been like a number one guy that you build around. And he really wasn't that guy for a variety of reasons. But if he's your number three, sometimes number four, depending on what Andrew Bynum was doing, that's incredible. Most guys around the league are nowhere close to being that good. No, that's, I think, a really great point to make. For the San Antonio Spurs, by the way, Keldon Johnson left the game early. X-rays came back negative, though, so he'll be out for probably a couple games with a sprained ankle is what it looks like. So that was the night of action in the NBA. You didn't watch it all, but we did. That's why we're here for you Unlocked on NBA. And coming up next, real or fake? I got a good one for you on uh, my uh, Miles Turner and CJ McCollum as well. So that's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on NBA. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on NBA brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues the march towards the playoffs, we got college bowl season, and there's NBA games every single night. So BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. That's free money right there it's like you've already won a bet and all you did was sign up and make your first deposit again promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus whether it's basketball football nhl boxing ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts All right, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day, covering everything going on around the association, recapping all the games the night before. But now we get to have a little bit of fun because we had a lot of news come out over the past couple of days. There's some chaos with the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, that's putting it like lightly, I think, isn't it? (laughs) It's like you're going to have to be more specific, Jake. It's it's like this league is fun to cover because you just get some wild stuff. There's always drama and like Portland there's a ton of and you have I don't want to call it like a hit piece coming out from Woj on this one but talking about and this is his quote right that Damian Lillard and his next contract could be an albatross and the quote is albatross around a team which is kind of wild for me to think of so real or fake I mean do this every week if you don't want to say that's a hit if you don't want to say it's a hit piece Jake that's fine it's certainly not a puff piece no, it's like, not, what a weird thing to say for, for like an all-time great player in like a small market who's wow. been like shockingly loyal and is like an absolute fun player to watch. Well, okay, here, here's what I will say about that. The, the wording of it is, like you said, pretty harsh and it does feel, if nothing else, like you're hearing, you're hearing through Woj the perspective of some of the people in the building, you know, vacillating yeah, about whether- like an, uh, 
an ownership look right. and stuff or, like that. Yeah, or you know, or even, you know, I don't want to speculate too much, but people that aren't with the organization around whatever, you know, people can do the math from there. But the reality <laughs> the reality is, you know, 51 million dollars at 35, 55 at age 36, that is a really potentially dangerous contract on your books. And, you know, you what that starts becoming is you know, basically recognition of what Lillard meant to your organization. And you can justify doing that because I, I do think that having lifers, you know, truly great lifers with your organization, that matters. And then, and that's something that you, you can put tangible value on it, but you have to accept the fact that when he's 35, 36, unless you play your cards perfectly leading up to those seasons, you're likely going to have Damian Lillard landlocked into a bad team. You know, it's a, it's the same thing the Lakers went through with Kobe post Achilles when they gave him that huge extension. You know, it was recognition mm-hmm. of what Kobe meant to the organization. And I understand that. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it makes sense, except it, it absolutely handcuffed the Lakers for those seasons with Kobe. And, and quite frankly, the, the rebuilding that they did, they fell ass backwards into it. I mean, they weren't even trying to get lottery picks. They were inexplicably trying to chase eight seeds and it, you know, through no doing of their own, kept falling apart, you know, and they got lucky that way. So it is something for the Blazers to think about. But that being said, with everything Lillard means to them, I would be careful about who you feed information to and how. So, okay, so putting it this way, real or fake, you think it is an albatross of a contract or some sort of anchor of a contract, it sounds like. Which I don't yeah. think is incorrect. Like I, I think that's kind of like one of those albatrosses you'd almost like happily wear. Like if I'm the Portland Trailblazers to me, this is like a no-brainer. Like I, I look at this team right now, right? And you're like, okay, you're going to be landlocked into kind of a bad team around Damian Lillard. It's kind of what they're already doing, right? Like this is a team, even for the past like four or five years, right? Like they were never going to win a title. There was no year that anyone was like, watch out for Portland this year, right? Like they're going to go on a deep run and they're going to make the conference finals and they might get in. It was like, yeah, if three teams ahead of them have like bad injuries and it opens the door for them a little bit more, maybe they kind of fill through, but that's like every team, right? In the playoffs, if injuries kind of go your way, I don't know. This is one of those ones where like, if you were to hire whoever your new like head basketball decision maker is, and the question is, okay, they're going into this job interview of, are you going to let me trade Lillard? If, and look, their ownership situation is also weird too, right? Like Jody Allen's more of a caretaker than someone truly invested into this. If they sell the money goes to a trust that probably does a whole lot of really great charitable work that she probably cares about more. It's a weird situation. I just really struggle in my opinion. And maybe this is like the small market person in me here, right? Of like, you got to hold on to those guys and they'll sell out that building for like a 40 year old Damian Lillard and everyone will love it there. I mean, again, I watched this with Kobe. Kobe played yeah. for, you know, arguably the biggest franchise in North American sports. You know, I mean, it's like the Yankees, mm-hmm. the Cowboys, the Lakers. And, you know, they're, they're not lacking for their ability to get stars. But having somebody like Kobe play 20 years with your organization, that matters. Same thing with Dallas and Dirk, San Antonio with Tim Duncan. I mean, you know, there's like, even Miami with Udonis Haslam. Like that matters. Yeah, you know, that that is <laughs> a great one. That's a that's real good fans one. Fans love the the Thunder with Nick Collison. 
was something that fans genuinely enjoyed. Russell Westbrook had been setting himself up, I think, genuinely to be that guy for, you know, for a while before things took turns. But it's it's maybe an albatross, but it's like a, it's like a happy cartoon bird around your neck. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Happy cartoon bird hanging around your neck um, that inspires r- rhymes. There we go. I can use my English degree <laughs> here for everything. It's a, it's, um, a, you know, it's a goofy looking albatross. Yeah, there you go. Like big googly eyes or something yeah. like that. All right, sh- <laughs> shift into the Indiana Pacers, who comes out in the athletic, are maybe willing to blow it up at least for this season, sitting at 10 and 16 and 13th in the Eastern Conference. They're willing to trade Karis LeVert and maybe one of Miles Turner and or Demonis Sabonis. So I'm going to put this question to you. Real or fake? Miles Turner is going to be the most impactful player traded at the deadline this season. I'm going to say real. It feels like we have finally reached a place where the Pacers have come to recognize this pairing doesn't work. And if anything, we've held on to it for too long. I mean, I, I can't give you the reasons, you know, like all of the particulars that it hasn't worked out. And it obviously hasn't been terrible either, but it's not leading them anywhere. And honestly, they would have been better off doing this a year or two ago and then building off whatever they did. But the value for either one of them isn't going to get any higher. And I think now that you don't have uh, now now that you have a new coach in place, um, and you don't uh, it was uh, blank. It's Carlisle. Carlisle now. Carlisle. Yeah. So like it yeah. makes no sense that you do this now after you've hired Carlisle and go with kind of the youth movement to me. But that's like neither well, here I, nor I, there. You don't necessarily. But here's the thing, though. I, I I was blanking for a second. My apologies on. Uh, Carlisle, where he landed, because I kept thinking of him as the first time in Indiana. But you could trade Miles Turner for players who can help you now. Like Miles Turner yeah. is good enough that uh, that he could help another team that's actually in contention. So there's, I think, a real opportunity to put yourself in the place after trading for Turner, where you're still in contention. You just have a roster that fits better. Yeah, that's that's what they're trying to do. That's kind of what the article really said, right? Like it said, they're not going to go through a prolonged rebuild. They can't really do that in Indiana where they're, you know, one of the worst teams in terms of attendance in the league. They just realize you have two good players that basically play the same position. You need to move one of them, get some decent players in return, maybe a pick or two so that you can be active on the trade market later to go and get the other guy that actually is the complimentary piece. Like they're going to plan on keeping Brogdon, it sounds like, and Karis LeVert is just, you know, whatever and has the injury history. But I do think that, you know, Miles Turner can be the most impactful player traded this season, right? Like he's an impactful defender. I think yeah. for, if you looked at last season for the first quarter to a half, really before injuries kind of caught up to him, he was absolutely in the running for defensive player of the year. There's a lot of rim protection there with him. His three point shooting isn't amazing. I wouldn't call him a stretch big or a guy that's going to actively space the court, but he'll hit open threes when he's out there. That's it's that's been good a this really year. useful player. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now he's shooting almost forty percent from three with the highest like four volume. and a half attempts per game. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's actually back to you know a couple seasons ago when everybody first started thinking, all right, he might actually be a legit stretch five. So I mean, again, this is the time to move him when he looks as good as he's going to be. You know, he's shooting uh, almost 53% overall, almost 40% from behind the arc, averaging almost three blocks per game, you know, Mm -hmm. solid enough rebounding. 
this is the time to do it. Like if you don't do it now and you're also not willing to move Sabonis, then you really have to start questioning what they're doing over there. Or like if they're, if they're basically doing the same things Portland did with Neil O'Shea, who's obviously now no longer there, where they clearly hung on to the Lillard McCollum pairing for too long when it was too clear long. they had reached their ceiling. Like it's not even that they were bad, but they weren't going to get any better. Like you look at what Toronto did a few years ago with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Obviously that pairing was good, but it wasn't going to get any better. And you needed to make a change as painful as that was for the Raptors. It paid off. Yeah. And look, I, I think wherever Turner lands, and it sounds like they'll trade one of those two guys, like he's going to make a massive impact. And, you know, I, I've seen some people kind of like, I, I've seen some of the talk around him where it's like, this dude's not good. You know, he's not an analytics like darling type of player, but he's an impactful player. I don't want to like make it sound like he's an all star or anything like that because he's not. But when you kind of look at the trade market this year, you know, a lot of teams really seem like they want to be going for it. Maybe that kind of depresses the amount of sellers that are out there. And that kind of opens the door for Miles Turner to kind of be the crown jewel. And for a rim protecting center that can launch some threes, like you could do a whole lot worse upgrading your team with that guy for a playoff run. Yeah, he's a guy that you could use to play big or play small because he can play all over the court and he's mobile. I mean, I I know this. I mean, the late, you know, team I cover doesn't have a real need for somebody like him. But if they, if any team around the league that needs legitimate size, needs somebody that could be a starting five for them, I think they should seriously consider Turner. Yeah, I'm entirely with you. So listeners, let us know. We're on YouTube as well. Whether or not you think Miles Turner is going to be the most impactful player traded at the deadline. And that's going to do it for the Wednesday episode of Locked On NBA. So thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every single day. Andy, thanks for uh, filling in for John today. This was oh, this fun, was man. fun, man. I appreciate you having me. Of course, happy to have you on, especially after a big Lakers win to get that perspective. And as always, I'm your Wednesday co-host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. They are on a streak right now. They're making me a whole bunch of money because I listen every single day. Nice. So go get, go get your winnings over at the Locked On Bets podcast. That's going to do it for Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back with you all next week.